Hi, everybody. This is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. And this week, we have a very special guest, because I feel like sometimes in life, we experience what's called kismet, which is um, kind of like divine fortune. And that's how I feel about our guest, Tarek Taha. And the reason I feel that way is because I came across him on like a Substack thread of all things. And in that process, I found his blog, which I'm going to heavily recommend to everyone who listens to this, because I think all of us are on many paths in life. And uh, one of those paths for me is like being a father. Another is my career path. But to me, the most important path is actually the path of awareness. And that's the path that Tarek is leading me on. And uh, he writes a short, easy, manageable uh, blog every Sunday. And it not only talks about the path, but he gives you like a goal or something to work on that week. So I love it. Um, I'm not jealous of it because it's doing something different than what I do in life, but I'm like such a fan. So I'm hoping that a lot of our listeners head over there. Um, And it's called Grow Yourself First. And if you need any help finding it, it'll be in the notes to the podcast. So thank you for putting up with such a long uh, introduction, Tarek. But uh, it's great to meet you. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Mike? Great to to be on your show today. Um, I'm really good. Like I said, it's uh, I'm in a very interesting and fun phase of life where I'm starting to notice like what I would call just uh, not coincidences that feel like coincidences. And so meeting you at the timing I did and getting you on the podcast was awesome. And I'm also um, mostly afraid of contacting strangers, especially on the internet. So (laughs) it's been fun getting to know you in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? I mean, I think this is a new thing for me. I I had uh, my uh, mother had given me a love for writing and really, I think, taught me how to write um she was a she was a uh, media specialist english major spanish had a, had a master's degree in spanish as well just a brilliant uh woman and she really taught me how to write so i give her credit for that um but i just decided you know i don't know you get you get to north of, of 50 and you think well you know what's what are we what are we here for what are we supposed to do and I just, uh, I'd really gotten into personal growth and it's really made a difference in my life. So what I try to do is just filter what I'm learning from different uh, thought leaders, podcasts, um, blogs, even some personal coaching I've gotten and just filter it through my experience and hopefully give folks something that they can use. That's so cool. And it's cool to hear like how it all comes in because I sometimes, it's like, I'll get a weird feeling like I'll be listening to like a Ram Dots podcast because I love him and uh I'll be like, oh, I want to write about that. But he just talked about it. And I'm like, well, he just talked about it in 1972 and your listeners aren't listening to it. So it's it's cool to hear that you're like uh, sourcing many, many different materials. And then your wisdom comes from an assessment and like combination of all that. That's really cool to hear the process. Um, before we go too far into all this conversation, because I want to, um, I always ask my guests how old they are, which you covered already. But um, where did you grow up and what generation, if any, do you consider yourself a member of? Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's it's I am. Uh, I I was born in 1968. I'm 55. So I don't mind saying it. I mean, uh, you uh, you don't get to choose the year you were born, but I'm thankful to to be here. So I, I was uh, I'm Gen X, I suppose, uh, maybe on the don't know where I fall in the spectrum, but um, I I also we might get into this later, but I also work with uh, engineers, young younger engineers that are that are the Gen Z uh, variety, and then millennials too. So, uh, but yeah, definitely Gen X. I grew up. Uh, my father is uh, from Egypt, and uh, he met my mother 
and at, he was going to Arizona State. They were both going to Arizona State, and um, they met there and got got married. There's a whole long story about their courtship and all that, but uh, I was born in Norman, Oklahoma, where he was teaching at the time. Um, and then when I was about two, moved to Northwest Arkansas, where he was a an engineering professor for gosh north of, of 30 years at the University of Arkansas in um, engineering. So uh, I have been around Arkansas uh, ever since. Wow, that is so interesting to me. I've only been to Arkansas once and I drove through it and stopped and had like dinner at a really lousy, like not special place. And I know next to nothing about it. I know that you guys have a lot of diamonds in like one area. And uh, so I actually want to ask you a lot of questions about Arkansas, but I would like to no, um, I am, my, both my parents are, are American, but both my, my mom's parents were like first generation. So I'm curious, like how much of like Egypt as an identity do you wear versus how much of it is like, oh, that's just where my father was from? I love that question, Mike, cause it, because I'll, I'll just answer it plainly. I mean, I, I love my, I love my dad very much. I uh, have the privilege of seeing him uh, every week for lunch. We grab lunch together. Um, but uh, my my mom has passed away a few years ago, but, uh, but I, you know, that's interesting because I was born in Oklahoma, raised in Arkansas. I am, um, I have a group of friends that I've been friends with for many years, some since grade school. So I very much, uh, identify as an American. So I, I've been to Egypt a, a couple of times, once when I was a little kid, and then once uh, when I was in high school. And so that was, uh, you know, definitely I have family there, but uh, but definitely uh, definitely identify more with the American culture. It's hard, really, we hard really to do otherwise since I just haven't spent uh, much time over in that fascinating culture. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm always curious about it, especially because. I try to explain, uh, I taught ESL for nine years. So I spent nine years living in the San Francisco Bay area, um, married to a technically American woman who was really from Thailand. She was born in America and moved back there when she was six months old. And, uh, I was working teaching ESL. So pretty much I was like not living in America, even though I was living in America. And it was, it really changed my perspective permanently. But one of the weirdest things they, meaning students from other countries would notice about Americans is we say things like, I'm Italian, I'm, you know, Egyptian or whatever. And like, they're like, that's just not true. Like, why do you do that? And so I always like to ask guests like you, because I'm curious, like where that kind of comes in and out. And and since your father's still alive and you see him every week, um, how, how much does he miss Egypt or did he like love just moving here and, and staying here permanently? You know, I think he was one of the, he was the only uh, person in his family really to, to leave the Middle East there. Some of his brothers worked in Saudi Arabia, but um, he, he, I think he um, it's, it's hard. It's conflicting, right? Because I think Egypt is Middle East is a, is a complicated area and i think he if if i had to guess i would say he felt he's felt some conflict over not maybe not being there um he's he's last uh, last child uh, that's alive and it, but but at the same time i think he sees the the blessing of being here in the states and and he had a wonderful career as an engineering professor actually a world renowned professor in the subject of operations research one of the um, few preeminent textbooks that's been translated into many languages. So if you uh, if you're not an engineer and you need uh, need some material perhaps to help you get some sleep at night, uh, I've got a recommendation. 
<laughs> That's awesome. And so you you have 25 years of experience in the transportation industry. Oh, and I, I should mention one more thing. All my friends in college were engineers. I was the only lit major in a fraternity of like mostly engineers. So I'm used to interacting and hanging out with engineers, which is a humbling life for someone like me. Um, so with that in mind, um, in the transportation industry, uh, how much of that is like engineering versus like what other people would think of as the transportation industry with your job specifically, your work? Sure, sure. Yeah, great question. So so I'm an industrial engineer. I actually followed in my dad's footsteps, not into academia, but uh, in industrial engineering. So the best definition that I've heard of that is um, improving organized effort. So cool. traditional industrial engineers would be, yeah, be in a manufacturing plant, let's say, trying to improve uh, processes. But, but at the companies I've worked at, we work in transportation. So we're trying to optimize routes, um, you know, minimize mile, miles moved. Uh, we, we could be putting together different modes of transportation to optimize for our customers. And uh, so the teams that I lead uh, do those types of efforts, as well as, I would say, process improvements and uh, even warehouse uh, optimization, conveyor, conveyor systems and things like that. That's awesome. And you mentioned that you got your writing skills from your mother's side. So I'm assuming the engineering, you know, naturally comes from your father. Um, was it odd for you when you were in engineering school to be to have like both sides of the brain, so to speak? Oh, yeah, for for sure. Right. I mean, I think I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So if my dad's listening to this, he'll he'll chuckle. He's told me this story many times, but uh, I didn't really. He said, don't I said something like, don't ever make me become an engineer. And then and then I showed up uh, with uh, three of my friends <laughs> first day of class. But actually, industrial engineering fits me very well. I actually love the organization of it. Um, I, 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 it's been a good fit for my personality. The, the, um, you know, on the, on the writing side, I, what my mom did for me, and she was a children's book author as well, but she taught me, Mike, how to write in a way, in the most concise way possible. So, so that may hopefully comes out in the blog to where I'm like, okay, what are the fewest words I can use to make the point? and give people, you know, the, the meat of what I'm trying to say, and then let them move on. That's, uh, you, you do that so well. And that's what I was trying to say when I said your articles are like manageable and like easy. I didn't mean easy as in like dumb language or anything like that so much as they're so compact and to the point in the best way ever. And I know that like, especially today, as we were saying in a little bit before the podcast recording, like attention spans and retention are just down across the board, even for adults who grew up like we did before cell phones and all that. And so it's, it's cool that you're doing that because I think, uh, people need your explanations of spirituality almost more than they need spirituality itself. Like it, it's, there's a weird thing that I think happens in, in Western cultures, especially where we need an intellectual approach to something that's often more feeling based or intuitive based. And so kind of, Along that line, you, you sparked my interest when you said it's about organized effort. And all I could think about was politics and not like specifically people as politicians and all the stupid things no one wants to hear about. But like literally, <laughs> what would happen, do you think, if we elected a, a, an a industrial engineer to like the highest office of this country as far as like organized effort? Do you think that would work? Oh wow, that, that's a really good question. I think I think engineers, not just industrial engineers, but any kind, look at inefficiency and it, it uh, it's challenge, right? I mean, I think uh, we we could all look at government and see the bloat and 
and uh, dollars, uh, excess dollars spent that don't need to be spent. And there are definitely more efficient ways to do things. And so, yeah, I think from an efficiency standpoint, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we could uh, cer- certainly given the capabilities to go in and make some changes. There's plenty, plenty of low hanging fruit. I'll put it that way, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I've just, it's, and again, I'm biased. I hung out with engineers and I don't worship you guys as a people. First of all, that'd be silly. And secondly, that would be. Please don't. Yeah, please yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> But I do, I love when my friends, and this is every day of my life, challenge me because I'm like such a bleeding heart human. And I, again, not political. I'm not like a bleeding heart liberal, which is such a horrible, weird phrase in our culture. But I'm literally just a bleeding heart human. And it like annoys a lot of my engineer friends. It doesn't make them not want to be my friend, but they're like, Mike, you have to apply logic to this. You have to like, you know, look at efficiency. Like if we just, uh, like, here's a good example. I don't, think it would be prudent or smart to open up the borders and just let anyone in the country. But in my heart, I'm like, well, of course we should. Like, just like I would let a homeless person come to my house for Thanksgiving, you know? Mm. But then I think about it, I'm like, well, I don't want a homeless person to come to my house permanently. Mm. Like, Thanksgiving's one period where I get to control that. So I do love, like, the engineering approach to life. And again, to make this all about you, because that's what I want it to be, you have both going on right now. And then you said earlier that it started to happen in your 50s. So I'm curious, were you, like no spirituality, no religion whatsoever growing up and during your early part of your life? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so so I, I didn't grow up in, in church really at all. So I started, I've been married to my wife for Susanna for 32 years. And so long time, high school sweethearts. Um, but it was really when I met her and her family is when I started to, to think about faith. And, and, and I would say I was questioning, right? So I didn't know what I exactly believed. Um, and so, because we didn't, like I said, we didn't really grow up with any, any kind of faith. Um, so I think it's been a journey, but, but, you know, whereas some people might say, well, there was a certain point in time when, when something happened and then things shifted for me, I think for, for, for me, um, it's been a process. And then, you know, I don't mind, I can talk about, uh, you know, I, I had a very major health event, uh, five years ago that really started to, um, to, to help me think about what's really important. And that's not the only major event in my life, but, um, so I guess long story short, I became a follower of Jesus, um, in my twenties. And that was really through the example um, of my wife, my then girlfriend, now wife, Susanna and her family, and because I'd had a pretty bad view of Christians um, mm-hmm. up till then, and I had plenty of bad examples to uh, to to think about and to point to. Um, but then, you know, Susanna and her family showed me something different. But um, I would say it's been a it's been a journey. So so that's the kind of the shortened version, Mike, and then happy to get into maybe some of the more recent things that have happened in the last five years or so. Yeah, I think I will. I think I'll ask the pivotal question of the podcast uh, earlier than going into what you just described, only because I think it'll be important as I ask more questions. But real quick, before I do ask that, um, I think it's interesting when you said uh, Jesus instead of Christianity, and then you spoke about Christianity, because it was only very recently that I started to notice people who talk this way, and especially like when I'm reading things, that there really is actually a difference, at least to my understanding of it. So if someone were to ask you, Tarek, what is the difference between Jesus and Christianity? How would you explain that to them? Hey, everyone. If you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. Thanks. 
Oh, what a man, Mike! You ask great questions. This <laughs> Thank is really you. Good. I, I tried it. Um, no, you really do. Uh, I think there is no Christianity outside of Jesus. It is Him. I mean, He is. He everything rises and falls on Him. And I think where people like myself in the past, and you know, people that I know about, get really wrapped around the axles when when people might take pieces of the Bible or things of what Jesus said and twist it for their own means. Um, or when you see, let's say big, I could, you know, I could sit here and name five or six uh, big church leaders that have done terrible things. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really hurts me. But then I look at that and I ask myself, okay, is that behavior, is that congruent with what Jesus taught? Because here, here's the crux of this, man. And is that Jesus went, he, he he held his worst, harshest criticism for religious people, people who said, I've done all these, I'm perfect, and I've done all the right things, therefore I should you know, be accepted. And he went to the tax collectors, who are basically the people um, who were were working with the Romans to to take money from 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 the Jewish people. I mean, he went to the prostitutes. I mean, it's <laughs> It's amazing how far afield we've gone from the actual <laughs> word of God, what Jesus's words in the Bible. And so that's that's what I would say when I studied um, his words for myself. Um, and I'll, I'll be the first to say when, when you know, there's going to be somebody else that's probably going to fall before the year's out. And that's going to upset me. But that doesn't change um, how Jesus has changed my life through through the Bible and through through His words. That was such a great answer. That really uplifted my heart because I I just it's so hard right now. I mean, we're recording this in um, November, the end of November of 2023, and it's just a year rife with you know the same old annoying political talk, but not just in America and like other countries too now. And then you know on the verge of yet another holy war with the Middle East and all that. And so it's it's so confounding for me to keep trying to remind myself and people that like an organized religion and a government reflects one part of a country and, and a philosophy, but then there's individuals and there's people and there's like their behaviors and actions. And so I love how you just explain that, but because you have a child who's now an adult, I'm curious, were you ever worried when you were raising her that you were like giving her too much or too little Christianity? Oh, another good question, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, like, so, so here's, here's what I would say. I mean, I, I heard somebody say this once, like the, the thing that turned me off of, of Christians and the church in general in the past was people trying to talk somebody into something. And I heard somebody say once, you know, if, if, if you can talk somebody into heaven, let's say, then somebody else can talk them out of it. And like, I, I'm not trying to talk anybody into anything. I, my, so, so in that regard for my daughter, Sarah, yes, when we, we raised her in church and she went to church. Um, but I would say now, if you spoke to her, if she happened to be on here, that you would find that her faith is very much her own. And she's not like, well, my parents made me do this. And, you know, so, so I don't take that lightly mm -hmm. and that's gratifying. But like that's to me, that's the essence of faith in Jesus, that it's not there's nothing forced about it for me. And I only speak for my experience. God was calling after me. And so 
um, that that's how I found that's how I found him, and I'm I'm thankful that Sarah has as, as well. That's so cool. Okay, so when when I first heard about Jesus, I, I should mention that I was not raised really religious. I mean, technically, my parents sort of kind of raised me Jewish, but they kind of didn't care. And by the time I was six, seven, or eight, it wasn't a part of our household really. So I, I was never an atheist. I was always just a kid kind of wide-eyed growing up in a mostly Christian community. I used to think that Jesus said you need to forgive people. And now I no longer think that I think Jesus says, no, you really just shouldn't even judge them in the first place. Once you've judged someone, then to undo it, you would have to forgive or whatever. So I'm curious if I'm even getting that correctly or not. Yeah, no, no, I I think what I would say to that is that, um, that as humans, you know, we, 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 we compare each compare ourselves to each other. Well, is my car as nice as that person's car? Well, is, you know, am I as smart as that person or as good looking, things like that. So we naturally do those kinds of, of judgments. Um, and so it, in the, it, in the, in the true heart of it, it's not up to us to judge somebody's heart. The homeless person you referenced earlier, mm-hmm. or somebody somebody who just got their head down walking, we don't know what they're dealing with, and so we might judge them from the standpoint of how we were raised, um, and well, they should do this or they should think like this. Uh, but I don't believe it's my job to cast any kind of judgments on people. Um, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. So, and I and I think that's where that's where I point people back to. There, there's a story in the Gospels um, about the woman at the well, and Jesus really speaks to her heart, and he and he says, he says, uh, you know, he basically calls her out, calls her out in a loving way, and uh, and accepts her where she is because she she's had you know been with five men, and the man she's living with now is not her husband. So, I mean, he doesn't judge her, but he he sees to the heart of where she's at, and and he accepts her where she is. And so, if I could take your question that way, that's how I would answer it. Yeah, totally. No, that that's perfect. Um, okay, now I do want to ask you, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen when you die? Yeah, so so I don't have specific, uh, you know, a specific answer to that. I mean, I I do believe I'll be with Jesus in in heaven, and and I and I I hold on to that hope, and and it gives me hope uh, beyond beyond this life because you know, this life has been a challenge. Um, I we all have challenges. You've got challenges. I've got challenges, and uh, about. Uh, and this is a good segue to this. I think about five years ago, I was um, you know just just working on my job, trying to get promoted, trying to trying to move up the ladder here at work, and and really focus on that. I was in really good physical shape, um, and so. But then I started to get these unexplained fevers. Uh, they started spiking 105, 106 wow. degrees. All kinds of blood tests. Um, I will, I really won't make this a long story, but long story short, I get into the hospital and they're like, Tarek, you've got an infection all over your lungs. And in fact, it's gone to your brain. Um, so like we have to do surgery now. And so Mike, where would you like to have surgery in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, or or perhaps Mayo (laughs) Clinic or somewhere like that? (laughs) So so they're like, you can't move. You've got to, you got, we got to do this now. So, so, um, so God provided 
a, a, a surgeon, and there's a whole story I won't go into, but, but he was actually trained at Mayo Clinic. He had just oh, started there cool. in our local hospital. And he did this emergency surgery, took this infection off my brain. I was on IV antibiotics, strongest you can get for eight weeks. Um, basically everything shifted for me. And so then I was like, you know, I, here's the deal. Like the night before this is happening, I'm texting my friend who's in my, in, in my will. And I'm like, uh, Hey man, this is where all my passwords are. And this is where, you know, so like I'm thinking about mortality. So when you ask the question about what do you think happens when you die? I don't know that I was that scared about dying, but it felt quite imminent. And so, um, I think that that definitely was a catalyst that has put me on this path of personal growth, growing myself, trying to help others, what I would say, get unstuck. But I'm not trying to give short shrift to your to original question, but, um, you know, I've, I've got hope and faith that I'll, I'll be with Jesus because my faith is in him. It's not in a church or a pastor or a person, certainly not in a political party or anything like that. So that's how I would answer your question. No, I, I love your answer and I loved your story. And um, I do recall that I never say personal things about my guests, but obviously when I read your blogs and got into you, I, I saw that and I was um, so thankful that you're okay. And also this is going to sound weird to some people listening, but I'm thankful it happened to you because without it, you're not here talking to me. So that's kind of how I look at a lot of things in life. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I'll, I'll actually say it. So, so I've, I've done some different, I've done some different, um, certifications and coaching and things like that. I had the chance to do some training for my company about, I don't know, about a hundred people on this training. And I told the story and I said, what you just said, Mike, I said, I'm so thankful this happened to me. I mean, cause I honestly, I shouldn't be walking, talking, uh, any of these things, but I am. And, and, you know, maybe it was just, uh, so I could have a conversation here with you today and, and we could have some, uh, good discussion and, 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 uh, maybe help, help each other. That's yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that. And I think it's incredible. And like I said earlier, some people call them coincidences, other people call them miracles and other people call them something else. But um, when you start noticing these things, they start to add up, in my opinion. I would like to ask you, it's kind of a double question in one, um, because I, I love how you explain it, that you have faith and that faith gives you hope. And I think that's the most logical way to explain to someone who's uh, young maybe and, and angsty and like, well, why would I believe in that? And like, well, the why is because the carrot rope will get you hope and hope is a great fuel for life. It gives you passion. It gives you all sorts of things. But I also know that you're an engineer, which means like you, you know, you understand like cause and effect and actions and consequences. So when you say that you'll join Jesus, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't like anything like that. But I'm curious, what was it like on earth before Jesus? Did people want to go to heaven where there's like not a Jesus or like how, how do you envision that part of earth that like previous wow. to Christ? Yeah. I've, I've only thought about this just now. So if you don't have an answer, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not that I don't want to, I really don't feel qualified to, to answer that. I'm, I'm certainly not a, a Bible scholar. And um, so I'm not sure exactly how to answer that really, really how uh, my approach to, because I love your podcast, and I think I think what you have a gift for, Mike, is that your compassion for other people really comes through, and uh, you, you do care about people. And you say, "Well, maybe I care too much about you know having a bunch of homeless people living in my home," but <laughs> I I actually give I actually give you um, 
I think that's a gift. I think that's a gift of compassion that you should really water. And, um, and, and I think it's, I think it's at the heart of what you're doing. It seems like you want to serve people. So, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how to answer that, man. I'll just be uh, flat out honest with you. Yeah, no. And I, I as I asked it, I, uh, you know, and I'm always concerned because, um, I, one of my closest friends who's an engineer, um, and he's Catholic and I push him a lot. Like when we have private conversations because I want to, and I'm curious and, and also because he always pushed me my whole life. And so, it's like playful and it's fun, but I'm always worried that I'm actually pushing someone too hard because it doesn't matter to me at all. And I know that my faith has zero logic, rational, or like evidence based to it. But I also know that it's the purest thing in my life. And, you know, and I think my compassion comes from that. So thank you for the effusive compliments that I, um, I cannot possibly, uh, <laughs> agree with because it would like crush me in a weird way, but I, um, I'm definitely hoping to do that. And I'm definitely, <laughs> Excited to do that. Um, as you know, because you've listened to some of the podcasts, I like to always give my guests the floor at the end. So we are at that point. So um, and please don't uh, put yourself on a short leash. Don't make this short if you don't want to. Like, I really want people to dig who you are and what you're doing. And, and I want them to head over to your blog. So yeah, I'm not putting pressure on you to speak forever, but I am giving you permission to, you know, you have a platform. Please uh, tell us what you'd like to say. Very cool, Mike. Thank you. Thank you again. What a, what a cool opportunity to be on your show today. Uh, I, you know, I titled the blog "Grow Yourself First, really because that personal growth has completely changed my life. Um, and I was certified just this year with John Maxwell Organizations, a leadership organization for speaking, speaking, coaching, and training. So I use a lot of that at, in my job, and I'm really passionate about it. And and I think that for too long, I waited for others to validate me. And so let me tell you what I mean by that. So validation could come in the form of, well, here's a promotion. So now you're, you've achieved, you know, whatever you're supposed to achieve, or here's this amount of money or this status or, or whatever. It's all based on comparison. I would tell you that I was leaning my ladder up against the long wrong wall to use a borrow Stephen Covey term out of seven habits of highly effective people. Um, and, and, and really what will change your life is growing yourself. And, and so what I mean by that is there are, there are ways that you can approach your life. Your feelings don't define who you are. And like, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I woke up on Monday. I was, I wasn't feeling the best for, for maybe a variety of reasons, um, Tuesday was a different day. I mean, I, I just decided that I was going to approach, approach the world in a different way and put pot. And I got up and I spent some time in prayer. Uh, I read a book. I do a lot of journaling. I'm a big believer in that. And so I used to think some of the things that I talk about in my blog are super hokey. Oh, okay. Listen to a positive message every day. Well, thanks Tarek. Gee, that, that helps. Uh, but, but, it actually does help. And there are people out there, and I could give a few names of people that have influenced me greatly. One would be uh, John Maxwell. Another is a guy named Ed Milet, uh, Brennan Burchard. There are uh, John Gordon. There are people out there who really put a lot of uh, great teaching out into the world. And I would just say, as I referenced earlier, I'm, I'm taking that and then I'm wrapping it up with my faith. And so I am intentionally creating the kind of life that I want to have. And, and, and Mike, it's not for me. It's my, my ultimate goal is to serve others. That's why I was so thankful to get to get a chance to be on your show today, because 
Uh, I feel like success is about me, but significance is about serving others. And so that's what I leave your listeners with is I want to live a life of significance and I will help others get unstuck and live a life of significance as well. So thank you again. Wow, that was so powerful. Um, you're such a quotable guest. I write quotes as we go along because I make uh, my wife actually, I should not take credit for it, um, makes our awesome production materials. And uh, I mean, I've, I ran out of post its. I had to like grab something else in the middle of the interview. I have so many quotes from you. And just when I thought I'd picked the best one for the show, you drop that bomb of success and significance. So, um, It'll be fun choosing which quote I use, but um, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for making a difference. Thank you for explaining how and why you make a difference because that was, I mean, I was eager to interview you today. Like I told my wife, I was like, oh, I, I emailed him really early. I hope it didn't bother him. I can't wait. I've been looking forward to it for like weeks. So um, I have a feeling I'll have you back on the show. And even if I don't, I know we'll be in touch and all that. And uh, again, to everyone, there will be a direct link in the notes to find his blog. But if for some reason that doesn't work or you have any trouble, you you just find me um also if you already subscribed to my essays you can just head to my site and i recommend his blog on it and you can find it there but um again Tarek, thank you so much for coming on the show and to everyone else who's listening if you want to support the show the best way to do that is to head over to mikeyop.com that's m-i-k-e-y-o-p-p.com and sign up for the weekly letter that much like Tarek, is designed to hopefully help you see something or think about something differently and your life can change but uh grow yourself first as Tarek says i think that's the best way to end this podcast so my name is Mike Oppenheim. You have been listening to Coffin Talk, and we will see you soon.